yeah so I woke up early today and I'm like let's just get this out of the way you know it's like I you know I just want to enjoy the rest of like the day or do other stuff so it's like let me just go through this and then I have the energy right so lately I've been like if I'm in a good like mind state or if I have the energy it's like it's better to use to utilize it right away because sometimes I get quarantine illness and I get in like a bad mood and it's like fuck studying I don't want to do this shit so it's like girl you're in a good mood now you don't know how long that's gonna last you don't know when this quarantine fatigue thing is gonna come up so take advantage bitch anyway so i'm discussing threatening penal or regulatory proceedings this can be found in rule 3.02 sub 9 and 4.01 sub 5 right as paralegals we are not permitted in an attempt to gain a benefit for a client to threaten or advise a client to threaten without reasonable and lawful justification right to initiate or proceed with a charge for an offense including an offense under the criminal code or any other statute of canada a provincial or territorial statute or a municipal bylaw or to make a complaint to a regulatory authority right so as per legals we are not we are not permitted to do that right you know let's say i have a client named jack and i'm trying to like give jack the upper hand or like some sort of like uh and or like i'm trying to gain a benefit for jack it's like you know i'm not permitted to advise him right to be like yo you know go ahead and threaten or initiate a proceeding with a charge for an offense you know or any other uh, or like including an offense under the criminal code or any other statute of canada right or like make a complaint to a regulatory authority right yeah we're not allowed to do that so let's say that my client jack comes to me and he's like yo um what if we do this right you know maybe this will give me an upper hand that i have to advise him i cannot comply with his wishes because threatening to make or advance a charge or complaint in order to secure the satisfaction of private grievances in an abuse of the court um, is an abuse right it's an abuse of the court processes and regulatory authority so let's say even my client, let's say even like my client Jack, let's say he has a leg- legitimate entitlement entitlement uh, to be paid monies and uh, like threatening to take penal action is not appropriate regardless, right? So what's here? Let me see. So here it says the impropriety stems stems from threatening to use penal regulatory proceedings for unintended purposes right so that's it in a nutshell so this rule does not apply let's say if jack makes a complaint uh to a regulatory authority and his and like it's reasonable you know and lawful to do so right example is like let's say it's we're in a regulatory process and it's intended to provide redress or remedy to individuals for the matter complained then yeah in this situation then then uh i am we are permitted to do so right because it's reasonable and lawful right so as paralegals we may also notify a regulatory authority about conduct that may attract penal or regulatory consequences while taking steps through the civil system
So next is clients with diminished capacity, right? So as paralegals, we have a special we have a special duty to ensure that the interests of a client with diminished capacity are protected. So let's say I have a client named Jack, and let's say in Jack's situation he has a diminished capacity, so I must ensure that his interests are protected, right? So this duty includes the need for me as far as reasonably possible to maintain a normal paralegal client relationship with Jack, regardless of whether the Jack's ability to make decisions is impaired because of minority mental disability or some other reason right as a paralegal i must be sensitive to jack's needs of jack's needs right um so let's say that i suspect that jack may not have the capacity to make decisions about his or her legal affairs or to give me instructions then i should make efforts to confirm jack's capacity right and if jack is if jack no longer has the legal capacity to provide instructions and manage his affairs then i must be prepared to take steps to have a lawfully authorized representative appointed for jack so such a such as a litigation guardian to protect his interest, right? So let's say that these steps are beyond my permitted scope of practice, then I must refer the matter to a lawyer who may take these steps, right? Um, as a paralegal, I have an ethical obligation to ensure that Jack's interests are not abandoned and should carefully consider and assess in each case whether it's possible to render legal services in a competent manner, right? So, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. So, next is a client under duress or undue influence, right? Uh, so, during the course of a retainer, if, if, I, if I am a paralegal, uh, sorry, during the course of a retainer as a paralegal, I should be alert to situations in which clients are under the duress or subject to undue influence, right? So let's say I have a client named Jack, then I should be alert, like, you know, is Jack under duress or is he subject to undue influence? So I have to keep an eye for that. So this is particularly the case when a client is vulnerable, right? So this can be the case, let's say, if Jack is vulnerable, right? So let's say that Jake, uh, let's say that Jack may have the capacity to instruct me. However, uh, let's say that Jack may have the capacity to instruct me. Uh, let's say that Jack may have the capacity to instruct me. However, I this doesn't make sense. Um, let me just read it. Let me just see what this means okay so also although such clients may have the capacity to instruct the paralegal clients who are under duress or subject to undue influence may provide instructions that do not reflect their wishes right so let's say that um i have a client with a diminished capacity jack in this uh, uh in this scenario and if Jack is under duress or subject to undue influence, then he may provide instructions to me that do not reflect his wishes, right? Instead, the instructions may reflect what he feels he must do based on the pressure, based on the pressure exerted upon him, right?
So client instructions must reflect the wishes of the client, right? So we have to keep that in mind. Where the instructions do not reflect the client's wishes due to duress or undue influence, the validity of an agreement with example minutes of settlement may be compromised. Um may be compromised either in whole or in part, right? Um, so let's say that Jack is uh under duress or undue influence, then his wishes uh does not reflect uh what his wishes does not reflect uh his instructions his instructions do not reflect his wishes, right? Due to being under duress or undue influence. And the validity of an agreement may be compromised, let's say minutes of settlement, either in whole or in part, right? So, before acting on a client's instructions, paralegals should satisfy themselves that the client is signing a document and entering into an agreement freely and voluntarily and and not under duress, undue influence, or pressure from anyone, right? So, let's say that I am acting for a jack, right? And before acting on his instructions, I should satisfy myself that Jack is signing a document and entering into an agreement freely and voluntarily and not under duress, undue influence, or pressure from anyone. Let me mute this notifications. I forgot. Okay. So... As a paralegal, like, let's say I reasonably believe that Jack's instructions do not reflect his wishes due to duress, undue influence, or other pressure exerted upon Jack, then I must honestly and candidly discuss these concerns with Jack and should consider whether I will be able to act upon the instructions, right? So I'm going to stop and come back to discuss medical legal reports in the next segment.